Good morning, everyone. It's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. All right, we are, we're just going to continue this time of worship. You are invited to stand and sit as you were most comfortable. Um, we are actually, we're going to introduce a new song this morning, and I, I thought this was a fitting passage to go along with it. This comes from Philippians 2, this is verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who is existing in the form of God. Did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And this song, it is just that declaration that God is who he says he is. That there is coming a day where we will all gather together and forever sing holy, holy, holy. And that's what the song is called. It is called Echo Holy. It's just that declaration. Gathered at the highest throne Welcomed by a melody anthem I have always known, a song that's always been in me, all glory and honor, dominion and power to you, a million angels fall, face down on the floor, all to echo holy. sing with all of heaven roar forever echo holy is the Lord memorized by every heart written in eternity every lifted voice apart joining in the symphony Oh, 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 oh,
call an audible guys um, I tried to do it early enough to help Eric out um, for those of you that are new with us today uh, quite frequently we have a song where we intentionally invite you to come and pray um, the altars are always open in this church but we try to make some pastors available here if you want somebody to pray with you can just come and kneel and talk to God about whatever you want to and we're going to do it on the next song right we plan out the service but I knew the next song we were singing this morning, this song right here, uh, was called Reckless Love, and many of us know it. And if you ever get to listen to the testimony or the, the writer of this song talk about this song, some of you may not be aware of this, but theologically, there's some people that struggle with a song being called Reckless God Love because we talk about God's love being reckless, and they say, God's a God of order and he does things on purpose and how dare we call our God reckless. But then he goes on to talk about that if we ever saw a human being love somebody the way that God loves us, if we ever saw anybody chase after us when we continually ran away, when we continually played the part of the prodigal, we would call that person foolish. We would say they're being careless with their heart. But that's the type of love that Jesus showed for us. He gave up heaven for us. And while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we hated him, he died for us. That's reckless, folks. That's crazy. And that's how much he loves you. I thought I'd just call an audible here because we might need a couple of songs worth time to pray this morning, right? So you just continue to worship. We'll have some pastors available to pray with you if you'd like, but let's just continue to lift them up to mind the spirit and see what God would have for us today.
Let's just sing that again. It's your breath in our lives, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lives, so we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lives, so we Pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lives. So we pour out our praise to you. Father God, we are just so thankful for all that you do and all that you are. God, I am just overwhelmed to be in your presence this morning. God, as we have been worshiping you through song, I pray now that as we go to worshiping you in your word, God, that you would just continue to pour out over this place in a mighty way. That we would just know without a doubt walking out of here today that we've encountered Jesus. God, let your will be done. And let everything we do glorify and honor you, Lord. And in your name we pray. Welcome to Capital City Church. We are so glad you're joining us for service today. Please share your updates, praises, and prayer requests on the connection card and drop it in the offering when it comes around later this morning. First time visitors, please let us get to know you through the connection card. And at the end of service, you can take it to the visitor welcome desk in the lobby to receive a small gift. As most of you know, Awana will be starting Wednesday, September 7th, and the sponsorships have been pouring in. So far, we are up to 37 and still have room for many more if you are still wanting to sponsor a child. Help us make this another record year for Awana and please consider giving $40 to sponsor a child. Registration is now open, so stop by the kids' desk in the foyer for more details. 21 Days of Prayer starts today and will end on August 27th. You can join in by going to 21days.churchofthehighlands.com 21days.churchofthehighlands.com Prayer begins at 7 on weekdays and 10 a.m. on Saturdays. Please join us as we intentionally seek God in prayer and believe for Him to move in powerful ways. Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cap City Church. You can give online or by check or cash. Please welcome Pastor Jonathan with today's message. There's this uh, song. It's not super new. It might be new depending on where you listen to music. Um, it's called Don't Tread on Me. And um, it's talking about Satan. Satan. Uh, and I'm not sure how I feel about this song yet because I'm not, I don't know that I'm a big fan of us bringing too much attention to the enemy. But I was praying with some individuals this morning and thinking about how The enemy still holds some of our children in bondage. Some of our friends, some of our family members. Uh, 
There's a line in that song that said he's choking on the blood that ran down the tree. Ain't no devil going to tread on me. We're not praying against the power of the enemy. He doesn't have any power. The only thing that he's capable of doing is being the greatest liar that ever walked the face of the earth, that slithered the face of the earth. You need to know this morning that there is victory, that there is power in the wonder-working blood of the Lamb. We need to claim that today. Keep claiming it. As the enemy keeps fighting, the harder he's fighting, it means because he knows that there's a greater victory that we're trying to get to. Isn't that right this morning? So, hey, we're going to talk uh, this morning about stepping into the supernatural. Stepping into the supernatural. Did you know that the things that you do, that the Holy Spirit empowers you to do, are, are supernatural works? At our prayer group on Tuesday morning, man, I, if I, I may or may not have mentioned this last week, but Greg led us in prayer last Tuesday morning, and he read kind of a devo prayer devotional to us about the armor of God that God's given us his clothes. Isn't that, pre isn't that pretty cool? God's given us his clothes to wear. Like it's our fault when we decide not to put them on. And so this week when I was leading us in prayer, we were talking about the fruits of the Spirit and how we need to pray. That's a great place to pray. If you want to pray the Scriptures, go and pray that God work on each area of the fruits of the Spirit, that they would, that they would be nurtured and they would increase in your life and multiply. They're supernatural works. To show love in the face of hate, to show joy amidst trials, to show peace in the midst of chaos. This is a supernatural work, and it's a work that God wants to do in and through you so that others might see the gospel message of Jesus Christ as a living, active thing. But as we talk about stepping into the supernatural this week, we're going to talk about Peter. We're going to talk about that time on the boat when he walked on water with Jesus. Peter always said, I've been doing a little fishing lately, which is a little out of character for me, and uh, I've been reminded of why I haven't been fishing in a few years. I've been, now, I've been catching fish like crazy, don't get me wrong. I was raised right. I was raised by, the, you know, I'm the son and the grandson of a fisherman, so I, I know how to catch fish, um, but I, I, I think about all those things. You remember when you were a kid and you wanted to do something, your parents were like, ah, I don't know, and you're like, man, why don't they want to go? And, uh, you know, I'm going to have to get used to Wesley running the slides back there because I'm going to have to figure, I might have to edit some of my illustrations a little bit. But when you take three boys, 11, 10, and 7, to go fishing, you don't fish. You just put bait on hooks and untangle lines and put new hooks on. That's all you do. I mean, the other night we went fishing at Deer Creek and we caught some catfish and Wesley had the first catch and, you know, I can be a little competitive. I'm going to be like, well, the only reason you caught it is because I wasn't getting to fish, man. Like, but, you know, a lot of people would argue that that's what a good Christian does, right? They're a fisherman because Jesus fished, and he called a bunch of fishermen to follow him. There's something about that fishing piece uh, that, that just, you know, it, it captivated this. Of course, they did it for a living, and it was a great analogy for Jesus to use when he called us fishers of men. But Peter always gets a tough go around in the Bible. I mean, he really does. Maybe, maybe it wasn't supposed to be that way, but I feel like we kind of give him a bad rap sometimes. He, he gets the bad rap for not wanting to let Jesus wash his feet. Remember that? Jesus was washing feet. He didn't want to let him wash his feet. But I think he reacted in such a manner because of his high regard for the Savior. He, he gets remembered as the disciple who cut off somebody's ear. But he was the only one trying to defend Jesus Christ that night. 
He, he gets a bad rap for denying Christ. But all the others had scattered. We condemn him for sinking because he took his eyes off Jesus. But he was the only one that got out of the boat. Only one that got out of the boat. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, if you want to find your way there. And as you do, I'll give you some context. We're picking up right after Jesus had fed the 5,000 with none other than three loaves and two fishes, right? So, uh, you know, you think about that. Uh, I don't know if that means that's why the catch was low. I don't know where he got all the food that day, but maybe that's why they weren't catching anything that night. Um, they, but they had just seen Jesus do, by the way, my favorite miracle in the Bible, my fa- like, if I wish I could have seen a miracle in the Bible, it would have been that day. Food showed up out of somewhere, right? Like, it just appeared. It's not like they kept, you know what I mean? You try to visualize that and think there was this basket of food, and, and it fed 5,000. And when we talk about the Bible, we always want to say plus women and children. It doesn't matter if it was 1,000. It doesn't matter if it was 50. He still fed way more people than he should have been able to feed that day. So we're talking about the, the disciples coming off seeing one of Jesus, I don't know that you could rate his miracles as being greater or lesser, but seeing this incredible miracle. By the way, you have some miracles in your life that you've seen. But it's important that we remember what they had just seen as we pick up where we are in Matthew 14, 22. Immediately afterward, or after the, the feeding, he compelled the disciples to get into the boat and to go ahead of him to the other side. While he sent the crowds away, and and after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter responded and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter came, uh, P- Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And when he began to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out with his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? By the way, as I was growing up, I always heard preachers go, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? I think Jesus said it with a smile on his face. The guy was trying to walk on water. He was defying the the natural laws of physics and science and everything else. And he falls. I think Jesus just reached down and said, oh, Peter, we're just not quite there yet. When they got into the boat, the wind stopped and those who were in the boat, worshiped him, saying, you are truly God's son. Let's pray this morning. God, my prayer for this morning is that we will understand that not only have you called us to step into the supernatural, but you keep calling us again and again and again. Not to boast of old works, but to be prepared for the next thing that you're going to do in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would quit identifying winds and waves as enemies. That we would understand that winds and waves always exist. 
that when things in this life seem to be pushing us around, pushing us down, if we would be honest with ourselves about whether or not our focus has truly stayed on Jesus Christ. Help us to quit blaming the elements and start seeking a Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's try to summarize what just happened here. This is the disciples' experience, okay? They start with fear because of the storm, and then it's compounded by the vision of a ghost. Jesus says, hey, I see you're afraid, so take courage. That's always his response to our fear. It's me. Peter asked for a sign. Lord, call me into the supernatural. And isn't this, isn't this great this morning? This famous scene in the Bible doesn't start with Jesus telling Peter to come out to the water. It starts with Peter asking Jesus if he can walk on the water, right? Jesus didn't tell him you're capable of doing this. Peter said, if Jesus can do it, I want to do it. Man, Peter had some faith. Like I said, we beat him up, but how many of us are, are having the kind of faith to say, if God can do it, then I can do it. Man, that's what Jesus said he wanted for us. In fact, remember he promised his disciple, you will do greater things. We get so down on ourselves. We get so backwards. We, we believe this lie that we're being too arrogant or prideful or confident. But Jesus instilled that confidence in us. It was only our job to turn all the glory and praise back to him. But he wanted us to be vessels of his Holy Spirit to perform supernatural works in his name. Peter said, can I come out? Can I get in the game? What would God do through our church today if we would get serious about saying, if Jesus is doing the supernatural, I want to do the supernatural. So in verse 29, Jesus called him. He said, come on, let's go. Peter asked for the call. Jesus called him, and then moments later, he lost his faith. You can be sure if God's calling you to do something, the enemy's going to be, wait a minute, he woke up. He was asleep. It was okay when he was just going on Sunday morning and giving a little bit of money, but he started to pray. He started to have some faith. He started to believe he was capable of doing more things. The enemy goes, I better make sure he was okay where he was. And so he offers the winds and the waves, and he begins to fail. Jesus confirms his lack of faith. Did you know that? Jesus knows that your faith is lacking, and he prays for your faith, ever interceding at the right hand of the Father. And then he still reaches out to save him. That's that reckless love we talked about. Jesus overcame the storm. Then we see the confession of Jesus as Lord by all the disciples. And so with this passage in mind, I want to talk to you this morning about learning how to get out of your boats. What we can learn from Peter's adventures in walking on the water that, that will help us think about our next steps in our walk with Christ. This morning we have numerous quick-hitting lessons that are available for us to consider from this passage. We have to recognize that the supernatural will always, not often, but always oppose our natural tendencies and understandings. You might say, I, I'm understanding what God's doing here. That's good. That means you're thinking and living and walking in the Spirit of God. But it will always, the Spirit will always oppose the natural man. Beyond that, you will be reminded by others that you don't know what you're doing. Think about what Peter might have heard that night from the disciples and how it might relate to that great step of faith that Jesus is calling you to take today. You can't walk on water. It's impossible. You will look foolish and you'll get wet. It, it's dangerous. It's dangerous out there and the boat's the safest place to be. 
You're needed here with us doing the things that we're doing in the boat. We need all the help we can get to fight this storm. You're putting too much faith in that call. Ever heard discouraging things like this when God is calling you to take great leaps of faith? Hey, church, look, if we see whatever God is asking us to do as a way in which his kingdom work can be accomplished in a greater fashion, we don't have time to stay in the boat and argue and discuss the details and figure out how we're going to do it. Man, I'll tell you what today. Church, if we would have been Peter on that boat, we would have had to put on scuba gear We would have asked for a life jacket just in case it didn't work. We would say, maybe not this storm. Maybe we'll try the next storm. It's real. I've been pastoring y'all kind of people for a while now. We do it in board meetings. We do it in staff meetings. I don't know. Maybe not this storm. We'll go the next storm. We'll give it a try. See if Jesus is in that one. Man, what if, what if we looked at ideas and opportunities that came our way and said, God wants to continue and explode his kingdom in this situation. We don't have time to stay in the boat and argue. So, so as we journey out into the deep together this morning, here's some things that we must realize. The first one is that you need to realize that your boat's going to sink. Your boat's going to sink. The tendency, the tendency in the storms of life is to hold tightly to that which is familiar to us. They were fishermen. They were men of the sea. The boat was the, thing, the place they felt the most comfortable. This is the very time, though, that we should escape from the ideas which have bought, brought us a false sense of security. A false sense of security. Many times our boats are filled with ideas of dependency. This could, be, this could manifest itself in unhealthy relationships or certain amounts of money or areas where we can work in our expertise or, or, or maybe personally even chemical dependencies such as drugs or alcohol or caffeine. Yeah, I said caffeine, church. Calm down. You shouldn't be that excited without the Holy Spirit. Excessive amounts of food, that's a dependency force as well. With, within the church, we might look at what has worked in the past. That is seemingly good. Think along the lines of ministry programs or classes that are familiar, but continually yield less results. A healthy spiritual perspective would understand that while Peter seemed to be taking the greatest risk, he was actually going to the safest place that he could. In the most difficult times in our life or in ministry, the closer we get to Jesus, the better off we are. But that's going to mean getting away from the familiar. Getting out of the boat this morning means that you'll often go alone. Many are called, but few will answer. You will most likely become frustrated by the fact that others are not following with you in the great adventure. Even though they are seeing God doing something incredible in and through your life. Let me tell you about one of the most aggravating compliments that I get in my life. Oh Man, Jonathan, it is just so unbelievable how God is working through you. That's an okay compliment. Here's what makes it not okay. I wish he'd work in me that way. You're the only one getting in the way of that. He wants to do the work. You can't hold on to the boat and hold on to Jesus at the same time. Look, church, I understand if you think I preached the greatest sermon that I've ever preached this morning and would yield the greatest altar call that still probably only about one out of 12 would step forward. Because it's, it's too much to hold on to our own stuff, our own control, our own places of comfort. 
And so you're going to go alone sometimes. Why is it that we always see God big enough for others' problems, but don't think he can handle ours? Do you know what really kind of just gets at me? I don't know if I would have been Peter. Honestly, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be real with you this morning. I don't think I would have been Peter. Maybe you think you would. I mean, if you think you would have been Peter, I really do. And if I don't know who you are, we need to talk because I want to get you involved in something. I, I mean, I want to get you moving. I want to get you going on some things. But do you know what I think I might have been able to do that I can't believe didn't happen in this story? How did 11 other guys watch another human being after Jesus, another human being, walk on water and stay in that boat? We do it all the time, though, don't we? We see Jesus doing great things in somebody else's life, and we just sit there and go, man, that's awesome. That's so cool he's doing that in them. Wow. You know, spiritual leadership can often be a lonely place. And I'm not talking about my title as pastor. I mean spiritual leadership in the way that the Holy Spirit gives you leadership in your life. Spiritual, spiritual leadership is often a very lonely place or state of mind because it's a place where God might reveal something to you before he real, reveals it to others. Spiritual leadership means God leading you to do something that maybe might not make sense to others that he's going to reveal to them later. Um, and, and so I, I feel like as a pastor, part of my responsibility is to hear from God about the future of our church and then hope and pray he'll let you in on what I'm doing. You, you might go alone sometimes, but it's better than remaining with the faithless in a sinking ship. And that's where you'll be. Did you know that's the state of the Church of America today? That we have too many faithless people holding on to sinking ships. We call things like buildings or certain ministries that are just dying. But we've, we're holding on to it because we have, feel some sense of connectedness to it. And, and one day it's just not going to be there anymore. We're going to go, what happened? We saw the storms. We saw the winds. We saw the, the boat sinking. But we thought, no, it'll, it'll turn around. If we just believe, it'll turn around. Hey, faith without works is dead. you got to get moving. Hey, getting out of the boat will be life-threatening. It will be life-threatening. It will call you to sacrifice your life. This isn't the most motivating point of this morning. It will call you to sacrifice your life. But I have news for you. Again, not super motivating. You're going to die. I promise you it will help. I've never been so confident about anything in my life. You're going to die. And I'm certain we could have testimonies from different individuals in here that say that the closer that we get or feel like we're getting to that place in life, in our minds, we're going to hope that we lived for something. We're going to hope that we made a difference in the lives of others and for the kingdom of God. So you're going to die. And so, but someone has said it might be easier to die for Christ than to live for him at the level of surrender that he asks of us, for there to be brokenness, for there to be surrender. As you think about seeing the supernatural come to pass, think beyond your life being threatened and realize that your pride might be threatened. Your ministry might be threatened. Your way of doing things, your agendas, your traditions, your taste and preferences in this life might be threatened. But each of these represent part of the life that Jesus expected us to lay down and follow him. Jesus said, you will lose your life for his sake, but in doing so, you will find real life. It might scare you to death, but you can rest in the fact that he has called you. That's a big one. That's our next thought this morning. He has called you. If the master of the wind calls you out into the waves, the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. 
Cannot, will not, doesn't have a chance. You will step out of the boat, and against all odds, you will defy the natural laws of this universe, and he will cause you to do great and mighty things far beyond your wildest imagination. There's so many parts of my testimony I'll share with you over time, and I'll try to always do it in, in, in one- and two-minute snippets so I never wear you out with it because my story is not that interesting to all you, right? Like, <laughs> eight years ago, God, uh, God called me through a district superintendent to take a church in Thornville, Ohio, and I said, sure, where's Thornville? Never heard of it, never been there. Four years ago, God called me to a place called Wadsworth, Ohio. I said, never heard of it, never been there. Promise, again, I, honest to God, never, never been there, never heard of it. Sure, let's go. And a few months ago, he called us here to Cap City. And I, di I didn't know where this was. And that was, a, that was kind of a blessing after the previous couple trips. And we know, Allison and I know, we're intentional about these calls and these moves with God. We know that he's brought us here to be with you. But he didn't call us here to sit in the boat and go fishing with you. He called us to walk on waves with you. He called us to walk on waves with you. The problem is that too often we get into what he's called us to and forget that it's him who has called us, and that's where our focus has to remain on Jesus. It has to stay focused on Jesus. You will, you will lose focus at some point. It'll happen. You, you are, in fact, if we think about the disciples, you're most vulnerable after the miracle has happened. Probably, I would bet, if you're, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling out, if you're feeling like your spiritual life is less than, you can probably start tracing things back, and at some point, sooner than later, you're going to get to a place where God did something great in your life. And maybe for just a second, you forgot to give him glory. Maybe for just a second, you didn't stay humble. Maybe for just a second, your spiritual discipline slipped up. But you're most vulnerable after the miracle has happened. We see it time and time again in Scripture. We have a, a, a story right here. They didn't even Nobody said, well, I guess Peter can walk on the water. We did just see five or 10, 15,000 fish appear out of the sky or the ground or wherever they came from that day. That just drive you crazy we don't get the details on that. That'll be a question to ask when we get to heaven. Where on earth did the fish come from? You remember the prophet Elijah? He went up against the 450 prophets of Baal and destroyed them. I mean, can you imagine? Like, what a bad dude. I mean, can you imagine being like, hey, guys, I see you over there. Like, I mean, they were a cult, right? That's what they were. They were the occult. They're cutting themselves and screaming and cursing and yelling. And Elijah's over there with such faith in God that he's going, well, maybe your God's sleeping. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. I don't know what he's up to, but he can't hear you. And then he calls down fire from heaven. I mean, I want you to really get that in your head. Like, <laughs> watch this. Not just fire from heaven, enough fire to set a bunch of wet rocks on fire. Rocks don't burn and wet things don't burn. Where do we find him just a few minutes later? Oh, God, would you just kill me? God, would you just kill me? There's nobody else around me. And, and I really, I don't know. I don't know if God would ever say for the love or for the love of God. I don't know how he would. Elijah, I've got 7,000 guys that haven't bowed the knee to the prophets of Baal, waiting to help you out. Would you please get off your pity party? Remember what I did. Remember what God has done in your life today, folks. I'm serious. You've all seen a miracle of God in your life. If you're here today and you have your salvation, there's been a miracle performed in your life. 
And you've seen him save your wife. You've seen him save your husband. You've seen him save your kids. You've seen him do great and mighty things. Man, remember those things and stay focused on Jesus, knowing that he wants to do greater things through you. If we're keeping Jesus as our focus and his glory our goal, then he won't let us fail. And that's what we need to remember as we leave our boat this morning is that Jesus will not let us fail. But we have to call on him. It's not the size of the storm, but the size of the God in your storm. We've all heard that one. As soon as Peter said, Lord, save me, Jesus was right there. He didn't say, as soon as Peter confessed that he thought he was good enough to walk on the water, as soon as Peter admitted that he forgot the food that they had, were supposed to pick up and bring with them from the, from the miracle, then he would save him. He just said, Lord, save me. Man, church, if you're here today and you just you don't know what else to say, you don't know how to get there, man, when we get done today, just come down to the altar and say, Lord, save me. Man, he loves that prayer. He loves it. He, he, you don't have to say, well, I probably have to kneel and say, God, well, you're, you saw what I was doing last week and a month. He knows all that stuff. Why do we play so dumb with God? As if he's not watching. If he doesn't see every mistake we make, if he doesn't know about all the unbelief we have, all he wants to do is say, hey, you're mine. Will you just let me know you want my help? Lord, save me. I hope somebody would pray that prayer this, this morning. Lord, save me. As soon as Peter said, Lord, save me, Jesus was right there. What, what would you do today for Christ? I mean it. I, I, hope, I hope something comes to your mind and you get serious about it this morning. When I say, what would you do today for Christ if you knew that you could not fail? You might trip up. You might fall. You might, but the Bible tells us in Proverbs 24, 16, that a righteous man falls down seven times and gets back up again. And by the way, the reason Proverbs 24, 16 says a righteous man falls seven times is because the number seven is a number of completion in the Bible. And that's for us to understand that when you have fallen down completely to where you feel like you can't get up again, your righteousness calls you to your feet. His righteousness calls us to our feet. You're going to fall. You're going to trip up. But you will not fail. From the t- get this. From the time that Jesus called Peter out onto the sea, Jesus knew no matter what happened. Isn't this good this morning? No matter what happened between the boat and Peter trying to get to Jesus, he knew that the two of them were going to be walking back to the boat hand in hand. That's what he's got for us today. Isn't that awesome? When you've answered a supernatural call in your life, God will bring supernatural resources, supernatural finances, supernatural people, supernatural rest, supernatural fellowship, supernatural physical healing. Let me just, can I, can I just tell you about how God blessed me this week? I, I love to tell you about, and this, I want you to tell you, this is like the biggest blessing you've ever heard. We See, the problem is too many times in church we count blessings by how many people come to the altar or how much money God gives the church or how much money or, or how he blesses us with a house or a car this side or the other. Me and Luke were studying the Bible this week. Luke's my 10-year-old. Man, I hope you study the Bible with your kids. I was studying the Bible with Luke this week, and we were talking about Joseph. And his brothers went down there. And for the, I'm sorry, if you don't know the story, I can't catch you up. You'll have to just, if you're new, I'll have to show you where you can read it in the Bible and you can catch up on some Bible reading this week. But Joseph was going to take the, the they, they came to get grain. And so they, they took the grain. And they were on their way back and they stopped to feed their donkeys or animals or whatever it was. And they opened their sacks. And the money that they had paid 
for the, 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 for the feed was still there, right? See, see, that's the thing. You want to get around people of blessing. Joseph was a person of blessing. If you knew Joseph, you were going to be blessed. Get around people of blessing and become a person of blessing. And me and Luke talked about that principle, about how when, when, we're get, when we get around the right people, about how God wants to put our money back in our sack, right? And you're going, is my 10-year-old getting this? Luke, Luke gets stuff. He's pretty good. But last night, and this wasn't in the sermon notes. Y'all just need, I, I don't want you to think I just, you know, printed this offline somewhere. I te- that, sorry, Hope on High. I, I was at Hope on High last night, and we were down on, uh, down on 23 at the bank, and we were feeding people. And I did tell some people before I left I needed to get going so I could download a sermon this morning. I didn't download this one. Ben didn't come with us. Ben's our youngest. We didn't know how he would do with the whole situation. So we left Ben, ben with Grandma. And we pay, we pay Grandma um, in Cafe Mocha's from Tim Hortons. That's how we pay her for babysitting. And uh, so we stopped at Tim Hortons to get Grandma the decaf, Cafe Mocha. And, we, and, and the boys had a little, had, we, we wanted to get Ben a little treat too. He, we, did, we don't like him to, we don't like any of our kids to feel left out, right? You try as best you can not to leave him out. And we know Ben loves Timbits. Man, I'm going to tell you way too much about me today. You're going to get to figure me out anyway. But, um, so I was going to get Ben five Timbits. Ben five Timbits. And uh, I use apps because, I mean, they save us money, right? I don't play Candy Crush, and I don't look at all that stupid stuff on social media that you're using for witnessing. And, uh, <laughs> but, hey, if it's going to save me some money, I get on there, and I have enough points for 10 Timbits. So I, you know, I, I, I don't want five Timbits. Give me 10 Timbits because I got a coupon for that. It's going to be free. And I pull up, and I hand the, my late, uh, the lady my phone, and she goes, she, she scans it, and she goes, it didn't come off. And I was like, oh, geez, okay. Well, it's like, you know, it's like three bucks, and I didn't need 10 Timbits. I was just ordering because I had the coupon. I mean, I hope you guys don't think I'm too cheap. I, maybe you'll think I'm going to save the church some money somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> but I looked at her, and I was like, but you can see the coupons there, right? Like, you see that I shouldn't pay three thirty-five for the Timbits. <laughs> And she kind of looks at me like, dude, are you serious? Like, I just work here. I just, it's 8.30. We, like, we got to throw all these donuts away at the end of the shift anyway. Like, what do you want me to do? And I'm just kind of looking at her. She's like, Ugh. So she gives me the new total. I'm like, that's cool. I mean, I still got the free coupon. The money's back in my sack, right? I'm going to use it again. Like, she didn't take the coupon off my phone. So I mean, Jonathan, that's unethical. You can't steal from Tim Hortons. I tried, to get, I tried everything I could. And then he, here's the good stuff, and here's where I got to talk to Luke, and we made an instant connection. Timbits come in, <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this story. <laughs> they come in 10s and 20s and fit the boxes and stuff. And, and so, like, I see she's putting together a box of 20 Timbits. And I'm going, oh, he's, you know, like, we just ordered 10. Like, what's going on here? And... Uh, she hands it to me. She goes, I know it's a box of 20. And I'm, right, right, I'm waiting for her to say, like, they're out of the 10 boxes. So, like, we had to use a box of 20, and it's only half full. Um, like, she's going to be a rule follower. And she, and she goes, I just fit as many as I could in there. The lesson Luke gets to learn that night is way bigger than $3.35. 
It's way bigger than the extra 10 bits that we didn't want the kids to have. It's that our kids believe the supernatural can happen. That God really works that way. That he's not just a God that calls us onto the ways. He's a God that puts money back in our sacks. He's a, God, he's a God that gives us an extra 15 timbits. He's a God that just likes to make sure his children know that he wants to lavish his love upon them. He wants to give you the supernatural if you're ready to get out of the boat. I'm going to invite the team. And this is going to be the response. Will you get out of your boat this morning? God is calling us to step out of our boats. Maybe to confess a sin. Maybe to forgive another. Maybe to reconcile an enemy. But church, we're, we're never going to quit needing new teachers and new preachers and people to share their faith. You might fall, but without trying, you cannot experience the supernatural. The disciples in the boat will eventually acknowledge God, but only from a distance. I know we all have to kind of choose our lot in life to a degree. We have to make, we have decisions and choices. The gentleman I was talking to down at Hope on High, we sat and talked for about an hour last night and he talked about choices and choices and choices and that person's made a good choice and that person's made a bad choice. And I know we make choices that are going to vary the outcome of our life. But man, I don't want to be an observer. I don't want to be counted as one of those 11 that stood out in the boat. And they eventually got it. And by the way, maybe somewhere in your life you already decided you're one of those 11. You can be reminded that every single one of those 11 changed their tune after the cross. Every single one were the kind that got out of the boat and walked on waves. So you can change who you are. You might not be a Peter personality. Maybe, maybe you're just a James. Maybe you're a John. Maybe you're a Nathaniel. Like, who knows who you are right now, but God wants you to be a wave walker. Peter, in this story, represents the spirit of those who want to experience the supernatural power and essence of Jesus firsthand. But he doesn't just call us once, but again, and again. Remember, everything started not with Jesus inviting Peter. The invitation is open, it's always there. But it starts with Peter asking Jesus if he can step into the supernatural. I was just t telling Pastor David this morning that one of the key tenets or key ideas that my dad used to preach is that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He'll keep knocking, but you've gotta open the door. You've gotta be willing to move towards him. I woke up this morning and this is what God gave me to add to the sermon. That was the first supernatural step for Peter. Yeah, Jesus told him to follow him, but we don't know what was there in that. I mean, he left everything as best we can tell, but this supernatural step wasn't the only one that he would take. It would continue in Pentecost, in reaching the world with the gospel, and ultimately in being found worthy to give his life in death for Christ. One big step is not the last, but the first. In our church, we can't ever get to a place or a sense of arrival, but instead we need to look for the next water walking experience God has to offer us. 
Now, we understand that God does something to set an example, and maybe every miracle that he performed, he's not going to perform it exactly that way today. But from an example or, or for what he set forward for us in this story, we need to understand that he wants us to continue to keep jumping out of boats and to continue walking on the waves. Would you stand this morning? People keep asking me about direction and vision and clarity for Cap City, and I keep praying, if that's okay. I keep praying because I know God has big things coming for us. There's a whole lot of land here that's undeveloped. There's still empty seats. There's still empty parking spots. There's still brothers and sisters and sons and daughters and husbands and wives that have yet to come to know Jesus Christ. God has big things coming for us, Cap City, if we're ready to step up. But we have to be open and believe that big things are coming. We talk about being ready as a church, but you're the church. The building doesn't have to get ready for big things. The seats don't have to get ready for big things. The altars don't have to get ready for big things. We as the body of Christ, as individuals, must ask God what the next big thing is we want him or he wants us to do for him in this life. You are capable of the supernatural this morning, church. You are capable of doing far greater things than Jesus did in the New Testament. In the words that are written in red, he said it. We can't call him a liar. He's going to bring it to pass. We have to get out of the way. We have to confess him as Lord. We have to choose to step into the supernatural. Father, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit in the mighty name, in the blood that fell from the cross, in the mighty name of Jesus. God, that the work that you've started in us, that you will continue to do until it's completed. And Lord, if I'm not dead, then you're not done. God, help us this morning to step out into the deep. Lord, help us this morning to recognize that all we need to say is, Lord, save me and that in that moment, your hand will reach down, that we don't have to sort out all the details of our failures in our past, that we don't have to know every detail of the future and what you wanna perform in our life, but that just that you'll do it and you'll do it again and again and again if we would only believe. Lord, would you help us to be obedient, that we would quench not the spirit during this time of response, but instead that we would respond according to the spirit's movement in our hearts and our minds today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.
I was growing up learning how to fish, probably the first thing I learned was fishermen's excuses. You don't know what I'm talking about, right? It's too hot, too cold, wrong time of the season. They're spawning. Is that one? I think that's one. Um, didn't have the right bait. It's too windy. It's too cool. First time I ever went on Lake Erie, there were eight footers. Some of you know what eight footers means. I can't believe I ever went back on that lake. But we were with a professional fisherman. And that day, we caught fish. Now maybe if we wouldn't, we had every excuse in the world, right? We had them ready. There were eight footers. When we were going out on the lake, there were people coming off like, going, good luck. But because we were with somebody that was a master of the sea, the winds and the waves couldn't affect us. He just kept handing us poles saying, reel this in, reel this in. I'm going, where are these coming from? Look, here's my prayer for you, if nothing else this morning. Quit blaming the winds and waves. They're going to keep coming. Just as much as if you go out and try to catch fish and there's issues, you, you got to work through it. you got to move. But the best way to do it is to be with the one who's the master of all those things, right? Man, we used to sing. We used to sing, I know the master in the wind. And the reason that song was so important for us theologically is it meant that all those things that could take us off track were controlled by the one who we should be turning control over to. So that's my prayer for you as you leave this place today, that you'd fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He wrote the beginning of your book. He knows how it ends. So trust him. And when the winds and the waves blow, right, keep those, keep those blinders on. Just stay focused on Jesus. Hey, why don't we go ahead and have a seat? Yeah, we're thankful for his spirit here this morning. So good to be in the house of the Lord with you worshiping. We're going to go ahead and say goodbye to our or our online friends and members and guests today. I know some of you are blessed by the fact that we have this live stream because you can't be here with us for different reasons. But if you're considering checking out uh, uh, church with us in person here on Rathmel Road, uh, you're missing a lot by not being in the building with us. So if you can't be here with us, I'm sorry that that's the case. But if you could be and you're choosing not to, come check us out at our Rathmel Road campus very soon. I'm going to invite our our ushers to come forward to help us receive the morning tithes and offerings. Again, if you're new today and you fill out a connection card, we've got a coffee cup for you. And because I'm a good pastor, I didn't, like, it's not like Hershey's chocolate. 